text this morning, 1 Corinthians 13. We continue a study of love is. We pick it up in verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Does not take into account a wrong suffered. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Uh, Last time we looked at love being patient. This morning I want us to look at the context of love is kind and how we can uh, understand kindness from God's perspective. We have seen already in looking at the first three verses that the love being described here is a love that is from God to us. It's not something we generate or work up. So even when I talk about love is kind, somehow we've got to get beyond a kindness that the non-Christian can produce. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about a, a love and a kindness that's beyond just niceties. It's a kindness that only God can generate in us and through us. Do we have that kind of kindness? You know, whatever you want to call it. Kindness on a clearly different plane, a different level. A kindness that is God-produced and not just some nice thing that we produce. Um, I'll start with an example. Look at Luke 19. A great example here of Christ's kindness to Zacchaeus. Now, you know the story of Zacchaeus. Let me read through it quickly. Luke 19, the first ten verses. But just... Focus in a little bit on Christ's kindness to Zacchaeus. Luke 19, verse 1. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable because of the crowd, and he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried and he came down and he received him gladly. And when they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner." Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now think about Christ's kindness there. Obviously, we... We don't have a lot. You have to fill some stuff in. But uh, Zacchaeus is overwhelmed with the kindness of God. And it leads to his salvation. And he begins to clearly show signs of repentance and faith. One of the principles in the Old Testament, I won't go into it, that, that when you realize you've done wrong, you've stolen, and as a tax collector he had, that you would repay four times as much. He says, I'm willing right now to give up half of everything I've got and give back, and I, when I've defrauded people or stolen for people, I want to give four times as much, just like the law of, of God says. 
So it was a clear turnaround and change in his heart. And what created that uh, salvation experience for him? It was kindness. Jesus noticed Zacchaeus in the tree, and he just stops what he's doing, stops who he's talking to, talks directly at Zacchaeus and says, I want to go to your house, Zacchaeus. Who does that? Who demonstrates that kind of kindness? Well, nobody in the crowd would have. As a matter of fact, when Jesus says that, did you notice they all grumble? Verse 7, when they saw it, they all, so if you're wondering who the they is, all of them began to grumble. Pharisees probably in the crowd. Church folks are in the crowd. The disciples are in the crowd. The women who supported Jesus in the crowd, they all begin to grumble that Jesus is doing nothing but showing kindness, and it describes him as a sinner. And they all it's amazing how we love to condemn people. And everyone in the crowd wanted to condemn Zacchaeus and even grumble about Jesus being nice to Zacchaeus. Jesus, I mean, who, who, who goes to a tax collector and says, appreciate your service. And uh, I really would just like to hang out with you. Spend some time at your house. Uh, maybe we could do lunch today, Zacchaeus. Your place. Cool. Zacchaeus is overwhelmed with the possibility of sitting down and being with Jesus, the Lord, and the Savior. And we grumble and complain. What does our grumbling and complaining do for the purposes of God? I'll give you another passage. Look at Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Romans 2, Mark referred to it in his prayer just a, a little bit ago. Mark 2, verse 4. Excuse me, Romans 2, verse 4. It was Mark who was quoting it in his prayer. Romans 2, verse 4 says, Do you think lightly? You can think back to that Zacchaeus crowd. They thought lightly of what Jesus was doing. Do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. It's not the condemnation of God that leads to repentance. It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. Just suppose Jesus looked up in the tree, sees Zacchaeus. Let's suppose he would have said something like this. Zacchaeus, huh? Chief tax collector. You make me sick at my stomach. You're so greedy. You put women and children and orphans out on the street. You, you make me just want to damn you right here and send you to hell. What would the crowd have done then? Amen, preacher. Come on. You're preaching now. What good would that have done? It's not the condemnation of God that leads to repentance. It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. Let's stop right here and apply that 
Why are you condemning your husband? Why are you condemning your wife? Why are you condemning your children? Why are we condemning our parents? Where is that going to get them? It's not your condemnation that's going to lead them to repentance. But it's our kindness that leads them to repentance. See, that's a Christian kindness. It says, yeah, I know you're a sinner. I know you are abusing me with your taxes. But I'm going to be kind anyway. I'm going to show you patience and tolerance and gentleness. And when that comes your way, it's like, oh, wow. Lord, save me a sinner. That's the kindness I think God gives us as his children. It's through regeneration, through the Spirit of God coming into us. We can be kind as Christ is kind. And I want us to evaluate our level of kindness. Obviously, kindness can be uh, imitated. The world imitates, you know, you know people that are non-Christians that are very nice and kind. It's an imitation kindness. It's not a kindness uh, that's produced by God through the Holy Spirit working in them. Uh, you can think of ex examples of kindness in the Bible that are imitations. Uh, a couple that came to my mind, uh, one I thought about was when the Jacob uh, fixed uh, his brother a meal. Esau, you hungry? Man, I am famished. I'm about to die. If I don't get something to eat, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to fall over. Tell you what, I, I got a, a great pot of stew. He said, Good, can I have some? Yeah, if you give me your birthright. Imitation kindness. I want to give you a nice meal. Yeah, but I want something in return. I want to get something out of this. That's not the kind of kindness God's telling us we should have. It's, it's a kind of that God's wanting us to have is, is, is selfless. It's giving, expecting nothing in return. Christ got nothing from Zacchaeus. He only gave to Zacchaeus. Um, there are other examples in the scripture. I thought of another, maybe a funny one, is uh, uh, when uh, Delilah uh, cut Samson's hair. That's a pretty nice act. I mean, he didn't have to go to the barber shop. Just lay down here. I'll, I'll take care of that. I'll give you a nice little cut. But of course, that act of kindness was so that she could be made rich through deception how many times are we kind like that? We're kind. We'll do something for other people that's really nice, but we're expecting something in return. We're expecting to get something. It's really just an imitation of kindness. It's not the kindness that God's talking about. Um, we're kind the way I think God describes it in the Scripture when we are really focused on the good of the person we're being kind to, but also the glory of God, that we're being good to them according to God. And his word, his ways for his glory. And that's not the focus of the unbeliever. Uh, as I was trying to just figure this out, Lord, how is this kindness yours and not ours? Uh, how is it distinctly Christian kindness that you're talking about here? I said, well, maybe I could do a word study. So I looked up the word in 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love is kind. 
And it didn't do me a bit of good because the Greek word there is only found there. And word studies only work when you can find the same word other places and read those contexts and try to put things together. So this is a word that's only used one place in the Bible, here. Now, I did find help when I looked over at Galatians 5.22, and you know that passage. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. That word, and it's the same context because Galatians 5.22 is also a fruit of the Spirit. This is a kindness that comes from God. So it's the same kind of kindness, and I've got a, I've got a word there, Christastes in the Greek, that's used ten times in the Bible. So that's what I want us just to run through quickly. Those ten times where that word is used, because it's the same context, not the exact same word, but the same concept as you find in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, that love is, or the fruit of the Spirit in us is kindness. So let me show you those ten times. And it was interesting to me that five of them clearly show us uh, and I, I don't know if I put down on your outline, yeah, it's not so much God's kindness, man's kindness, but it's God's manifestation of kindness. And then secondly, man's manifestation of God's kindness. We're not talking about a God kindness and a, and a non-Christian man kindness. But all ten of these references are references of God either just directly being kind to us, God's kindness is the way it's described there on the outline, or it's God being kind through us. All ten are God's kindness. Look at them quickly. Romans 2, verse 4. Well, we just looked at that. And uh, that uh, it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. Also in Romans, look at Romans chapter 11. Verse 22. We have kindness three times mentioned in this verse, really. Uh, two times as a manifestation of God to us. One time as us. Uh, to one another. Romans 11 verse 22. Behold then the kindness and severity of God. To those who fail. Severity. But to you God's kindness. If you continue in his kindness. See that's us doing something. Otherwise you also will be cut off. So we have kindness directly from God in that passage. And kindness that we are obligated to do as well. Uh, so both is very clear, God being kind to us, even saving some. Uh, you could say nearly the, the same thing in this COVID pandemic. Behold the kindness and the severity of God. God, who is the author of this virus, um, for some it's very severe. Behold the severity of God. For some, uh, you experience an abundant kindness. And to think through that, uh, and what God is doing, but to see even kindness in what we're going through. Another passage, Ephesians 2, verse 7. Love this passage. Shows us a purpose for our salvation. Ephesians 2, verse 7. Now, let me back up just a little bit. Verse 6. He raised us up with Him, Christ. He seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of His grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Uh, why did God save us? Why did He seat us in heavenly places? I want to show forth 
the surpassing riches of my grace. I want people to see how kind I am towards sinners like Zacchaeus. Another uh, great passage on kindness. And then the last one that's coming from God's perspective is Titus chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. Uh, says this, Titus 3, 4 and 5. But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Uh, when did we get saved? When the kindness of God appeared. That's a kindness on a different level. The kindness. God shows up to be kind to sinners. Um, we've um, looked at kindness then directly from God's perspective, uh, somewhat from our perspective. Uh, several other passages. I'm going to get, uh, you've got there Romans 3.12. Let me come to that last. Oh, I've already read 11.22. Let's look at Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit is kindness. We've already looked at that. Uh, so let's look at Colossians 3, verse 12. Colossians 3, verse 12. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another. So there you see the obligation for man to be kind. We must put on this kindness. Who it puts it on? Those who are chosen. Those who are believers. It's a believer kindness. It's beyond the non, what the non-believer has. And then one other passage, 2 Corinthians 6, verse 6. says, in purity, in knowledge, in patience, in kindness, in the Holy Spirit, in genuine love, in the word of truth, in the power of God, by the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left, by glory and dishonor. Paul's describing himself there. Um, I didn't read the verses before it, how he'd been going through much affliction and pain and punishment. He says, I went through that, but I also went through times where of genuine kindness uh, towards others. All right, so there you see all the places that this word kindness is in the Bible, except for one that I didn't read yet, and that's Romans 3, verse 12. And when I saw this, it kind of blew me away. I like a good translation of the Bible, and I use New American Standard because it's, it's, to me, the most literal. And typically, this is one exception, typically, the New American Standard, they, once they find out how to translate a word, they translate it that way all the time. So you know... Uh, or you can investigate, you can do the word studies, you can investigate the context and say, why is this word here when it means this over there? Why does it, does it mean something different here? And you can do that kind of reference. In Romans chapter 3, verse 12, so in looking at my Greek Bible for that quick word study I gave you, I come to uh, Romans 3, verse 12, and I expect to see the word kindness in the English. Because in the Greek, it's the exact same word that you just saw nine times. But on this occasion, Romans 3, verse 12, it's translated as good instead of kind. It's like, well, what's going on? Let me read it. Uh, Romans 3, 12, They have all turned aside together. They have all become useless. There's no one or none who does good. Not even one. Popular verse 
We frequently say, there's none good. No, not one. That's the verse. But literally, if you were a Greek student, you're reading your Greek Bible this morning, it would say to you, there is none who does kindness. No, not one. Why? Because he's describing the non-Christian state. There's none that does kindness. You say, well, they're a good person. Yeah, but they don't do kindness. Now we can begin to define the kindness from God's perspective, not ours. This kindness must be something that you cannot possess and exhibit until you have been regenerated. It's something that comes out of a new heart. It's something that comes out of Christ through us to others. We're obligated to be kind to one another. But we cannot be kind to one another without Christ. The way Christ is kind. If you want kindness on another level, you must come to Christ. You must trust Christ as your Lord and Savior. You must ask Christ for a new heart. You must ask Christ to be filled with His Spirit. You can imitate kindness, yes. We got that. But you can't be kind. None can. Apart from Christ. So now that we've got a a working definition or a better understanding of love is patient, love is kind. The love God's described is much different than what the world can possess. How can we, who are believers, exercise that kind of kindness? That's why our families, our marriages, our single relationships, whatever, should be on a higher plane, a different level than what the world can experience. Because they, they should be seeing in us a patience, a kindness. I say, we don't know how you do that. How do you live with, with that degree of kindness? Well, that's what God's asking us to do as his people. Um, there's plenty of examples. When, when you see in the Bible uh, that we're to love, love is kind. So kind's one of the applications. Uh, think about Ephesians Uh, Chapter 4 talks about us building one another up in love. Uh, You know that section. It comes right after. It says, I don't want you to be... Ephesians 4, verse 14. He says, says, some of you are are like children. You're tossed here and there by every wind of doctrine. He says, I don't want that to be the case. I don't want you tossed about by every wind of doctrine. In other words, I don't want you to be the product of the last book you read. I want you to to be one who is grounded in the Word of God. And the way you're going to get grounded in the Word of God is by hearing preaching of the Word of God and teaching from the Word of God and admonition from the Word of God. And you've got to come together. You've got to gather and you've got to stimulate one another, building one another up. And that's what he goes on to say. He says, but I want you speaking the truth. So as you gather, you're speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up into all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ. So we grow up, everybody doing their part, and our parts must be done in love, and love is kind. How many of you have uh, been condemned already this morning? I have. How many of you have had a critical word already, or a critical look? I have. I'm not the only one. What, What good does it do to constantly criticize, to be critical, to be condemning? Do we speak to one another in love, 
kindly. We've got to learn to, how would Jesus speak here? But, but you're a sinner, and you, you need to fix this, David. Yeah, right. Could use a little kindness, though. I, I could use a different tone. I could use a little less condemnation. I could use a little more love. And then perhaps I would be built up in love by what you have to say. And you would be built up by what I have to say. I don't, I've told you many times, I don't want to just be your preacher. I want to be like a father. I want to be one who loves you well. Not just one who says words. We're to build one another up in love. I saw, I mean, I, I literally wept. I saw this art, uh, in the news, a picture of a man dying uh, in the intensive care unit, you know, and you, you see in the tubes and the ventilator, and uh, I forget what the caption read, but some, something that really grabbed my attention beyond COVID. And it was, it was son, son causes dad to die or something like that. You know, I forget what, what it was. Maybe you saw it too. But I clicked on, you know, and I read. And the parents were convinced that because, the, I think it was 22-year-old son, had gone to a party stayed out to 2 o'clock, come home, and gave his dad COVID-19. Because they were convinced that's the only way dad could have got it. And now dad was going to die, and it's all his son's, their son's fault. And I thought, what parent tells their child, I got sick because of you? I hope you don't do that. You go to work and say, are you a little bit sick today? Yeah, I'm a little bit sick. Yeah, my kids, they got something. I'm sick because of them. Why, why do we condemn? We don't know people gave us something. I mean, and, and that's kind of the tone of our society, that you, you gave this to me. It's your fault. We want to be grumblers, complainers, and condemners of others. I mean, that mom and dad, they don't know that the mailman didn't have COVID. They don't know that uh, their takeout didn't come with COVID. I mean, there's so many ways. God is the author of severity and kindness. And sometimes we don't consider both. And God never tells us to condemn people. Sure, we need to be responsible, and sure, we don't need to go spreading our germs. We get all of that. But where does God tell us not to con- Where does God tell us to condemn people? Because they're not like us, or they don't do life like us, or because they're sinners, because they're irresponsible, and because they mess up. We're supposed to just condemn, or does He say, "No, I want you to love the world like I love the world." I want you to be kind to others. And I want the kindness of God to lead to repentance. The church, I mean, how many people have been turned off from the church because they are convinced the church will condemn them? 
How many of us have condemned someone? I mean, as I read that article I was describing, I said, that mom, I think it was the mom who was giving the report to the reporter, that mom didn't want to condemn her son for COVID as much as I think she wanted to condemn him as I was reading her words. She wanted to condemn him for going to a party. She wanted to condemn him for staying out at to 2 o'clock in the morning. She wanted to condemn him for the way he dressed, for the way he, he spoke, for the music he listened to, much too loud. She had so much condemnation. COVID was just thrown in. How many people have been condemned by the church for the way they dress? Condemned by the music they listen to? Condemned by their hair length or their skirt length or whatever? I said, I don't want to go there. It's a condemning crowd. And yet the church should be the place where you are just overwhelmed with kindness. And that's more like this church. And I don't want to leave a church where there's kindness. And a lot less condemnation. So let's stay on that path of being kind to one another. Kind like God. As you think through the, the people you love the most sometimes those are the people you condemn most frequently and we've got to quit it we've got to repent of that sin of not being kind church people should be kind love is patient love is kind well how do we develop that i give you two things quickly developing love that is kind first of all i don't think we're going to have this kind of kindness that God has for us without learning self-denial and selfless service. Self-denial. I put down for you Romans chapter 12, verse uh, 10. Let me read that. Romans 12, verse 10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. I just want to hang out on that phrase a minute. Do you really think you could describe your devotion to someone as a brotherly love devotion without talking about kindness? See, I don't think we can. Be devoted to one another with brotherly love. That love must include a lot of kindness. For us, and it goes on to talk about this brotherly love there, give preference to one another in honor. So I think that's, there's, there it is. Self-denial. I prefer to think about you first. Deny myself. I'm going to think about you first, me second. For us to develop this brotherly love, we have to learn to say others first. I'm going to prefer to honor others before I honor myself. Thinking about how can I build the other one up. That requires us to be willing to be lower. We're pushing others up. One of the first verses I memorized as a Christian is so helpful to me, Luke 9, 23. Says, Jesus says, anyone who wants to follow after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. We must learn to deny ourselves. We can't take what God wants us to do, our cross, our burdens, our job, we can't do that until we deny ourselves. It's not a, life's not about me. It's not about my pleasure. It's not about me getting what I want. It's about me giving of myself, denying myself to give of myself to others, to prefer them, to honor them. Self-denial, you're not going to get better at kindness until you get better at denying yourself. And then the second thing uh, that I think we have, that we need is selfless service. 
I put down Luke 6, 32-35. What a passage um, describing different uh, level of love that's being required of us. Luke chapter 6, beginning at verse 32. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. It's like, see, no brainer. Uh, verse 33, if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. So he's trying to push us beyond what the non-Christian does. The Christian should be different. Verse 34, if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For He Himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. God is kind to ungrateful, evil men. Do we have that kind of kindness? That's the kind of kindness that costs something. I've got to lend. I've got to give. I've got to expect nothing in return. That's selfless service. Uh, not selfish. Wanting to get interest, wanting to get uh, stuff back. That's what's required to love as God loves. A self-denial and a selfless service. There's a price tag for kindness. Which is another reason a selfish unbeliever finds it difficult. And impossible. But the believer says... I have all I need in Christ. And so I can extend myself and I can be kind. Well, I'm going to end with uh, maybe just one more illustration from Joshua chapter 2, verse 14. This is the story of uh, Rahab and the spies. It's not a statement of uh, love so much as it's a vow, it's a covenant that these spies make that just shows you the power of the believer's kindness. Uh, Joshua chapter 2 verse 14 says, So the men, these are the spies that spied out Jericho, the men said to her, that's Rahab, Our life for yours, if you do not tell this business of ours, and it shall come about when the Lord gives us the land, that we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. So they're making a vow there. Our life for yours. Your life for ours. If you will literally give your life for us right now, you will hide us as the spies. You will allow us to escape. If you will risk your life for us, then when we come back, we're promised and we're going to risk our life for yours. We will treat you kindly. The Lord is our witness. We will die before we will allow anything to happen to you. Our lives will be given to take care of you when we come back into the, to the land. It's a great covenant that they made there together to kindly treat one another. And as I, as I thought about that, is, is that not a wedding vow in the making? Could you not have that kind of covenant between you and your spouse? Have you told your husband or your wife, I will die before I will treat you unkind. I'm going to be kind to you. 
I don't care what you bring me. I will die before I will be unkind. I will give my life to treat you kindly. Could we say that to our children? I think it's easy sometimes for our children. I will give up my life for you. Then they get older and we change our mind. But the vow should be the same. I will die before I will not, I'll fail to treat you kindly. I am purchased by the kindness of God given to sinners. And so you will see kindness flow through me. You will not get persecuted. You will not get condemned. You will not get spoken about badly. You will be treated kindly. My life is on it. That's what we need. Let's pray together. Father, how mean and ugly and terrible acting at times we have been. Forgive us, we are sinners. We so badly want love, and we so badly need to give it. Love is patient, and love is kind. Father, grant to us conviction from on high. May the Spirit fall upon us. There's someone we need to be kind to. There are groups of people we need to be kind to. Forgive us, Lord, that we have not already done so or done so to the degree we need to. We ask that you would turn us from sin, that you would turn us back to a love like the love of God. Let us be overwhelmed in this place with so much love, a body of Christ loving as Christ loves. Father, may those who are unbelievers in this room catch a glimpse of the glory of the kindness of God here. And may they be overwhelmed with our kindness towards them, not condemning them, but seeking only that they come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. Father, thank you for this time uh, before your table. Thank you before, for this time of worship. Thank you the loving kindness of God has come down to us. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.